Hi, this is Nyetta. Hi, this is Dave. And welcome to The, the Help, Help Show. Hello, and welcome back. Thank you for tuning in for our sixth episode in our February four-part series, Baby Got Back, Is It Love or Lust? Today, we have Von Eaglin, Licensed Professional Counselor, Supervisor, and Master of Education discussing the definition of sex and explaining scientifically the emotions we feel when we are in love or lust. Hi, this is Nyetta. This is Dave. And we are with Von Eaglin, Licensed Professional Counselor and Supervisor. Um, he's a senior clinician at two group practices um, in the DFW area. So, uh, Mr. Can I call you Von or do I call you Eaglin? Or Von. What? Von is fine. Von is fine? Okay. Um, Von, question. How long have you been a therapist? I've been a therapist about nine years. And so I'm working on my PhD right now. I'm on the back end of that. And uh, so I'm what's called a doctoral candidate. And so I've been licensed for about nine years. But I went back to uh, receive my PhD and I'm about to finish that. So. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Almost ABD, right? Yep, you got yeah, it. All so, but dissertation. Exactly. I was working on that actually earlier today. So All yeah. right. Um, so... First of all, thank you so much for meeting with us. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Because uh, we understand uh, we're both kind of in the field. I'm in social work, so we understand how time management works. And we yes. really appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so, so much. Um, so sorry about that. Why, why, should, why, should someone, why should someone see someone who specializes in sex therapy and of counseling? Well, sex therapy is it's, um, it's something that's needed because sexual dysfunction is more common than you would think. Um, it's not a slam dunk. Whenever people, uh, I guess, uh, get together and they uh, tend to, um, back up. whenever they get together, they tend to believe that, you know, if this person is my best friend or what, quote unquote, my soulmate, they tend to think that sex, like I said, is a slam dunk. But the truth of the matter is, is that's something that you really have to work on for a long period of time in order for it to be good and uh in a way that's uh, uh, healthy, so. Okay. All right. So this is a question that I think everyone wants to know. Is sex addiction real? Uh, the short answer is yes. Um, when we talk about sex addiction, so there are different types of addiction. And so you have uh, like actual addiction, which is like, let's say if you're it's an alcoholic or someone is addicted to cocaine, they're actually ingesting an actual substance that changes the physiological process in their body. But sex addiction, kind of like gambling and like uh, pornography, um, so there's a component, uh, uh, I wouldn't say it's a process addiction because you have different types of sex addictions actually, um, but it's really related to a certain chemical called dopamine. It's actually a... a, a, a Makes you feel good, right? Yeah, you got it. So dopamine in and of itself is something that uh, is within the brain, okay? It's a neurotransmitter within the brain. And whenever someone has a sex addiction, what happens is, or any addiction uh, in, uh, for, that, for, for, for that fact, is that the dopamine is released and then they get addicted to the dopamine. I liken it to uh, kind of like a dog trail. Um, if you have a dog that lives uh, outside the house, every time you call Fido to the back door, it goes through the yard. And anytime that dog goes back and forth to the dog house, the grass actually um, becomes a little bit more worn down. So anytime somebody is going down back and forth that path, then again, uh, they get addicted to um, that, that particular type of uh, pleasure. For instance, if I have a client that comes in and they have a porn addiction, then they actually looking at pornography in their mind registers um, over time that this is what actually turns me on so they get addicted to that specific type of 
uh, sensation or pleasure. And so sometimes they, uh, you know, get to the point where they may not even be attracted to a woman um, because they're used to, you know, masturbating and looking mm. at porn that much. Oh. So um, so it can be progressive as well. So, But sex addiction is a very real addiction. So, mm. And so when we were talking um, yesterday and we were talking about, we said dopamine. Right. And we were, in our title is sex is in love or lust. Right. And it was saying that dopamine is in love. Like you can uh-huh. be addicted to love. Just uh-huh. like, is it, is it the same thing? You can be um, addicted to lust. Are those uh-huh. two the same as sex addiction? And does does love and lust turn into a sex addiction? Well, let me, let me just kind of back up because there are different types of sex. So okay. you have what's called impersonal sex and then you have personal sex. Now, okay. so whenever you have impersonal, well, let me, whenever you're in a state of lust, well, okay. psychologists refer to that as that is being a state is, is a state of limerence. Okay? okay, limerence is whenever you do things that would be normally out of character. Um, you may make a decision based on your affinity for this person, but it may not be uh, in your best interest because you are you know uh, in this love state, this in love mode. Um, so, um, with personal sex and impersonal sex. Um, whenever you have sex with somebody, you have certain chemicals that get released. Remember I mentioned dopamine, you also have norepinephrine. Okay, whenever you have an orgasm with somebody, you also release two hormones. One is called oxytocin, the other one is called vasopressin. So a lot of times, if you're having sex with somebody and um, you have an orgasm with them, then you feel really close to that person because your body has released this hormone called oxytocin. And so, with personal sex, you're going to really be releasing all of those things. But impersonal sex, a lot of times, um, it's, uh, it's not sex that is... Um, is sex with uh, a tinge of like self gratification. It's almost like uh, masturbation with your partner. In and of, in, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because you're having sex, but it's not this loving connection where there's this friendship and there's this time invested into a relationship where mm-hmm. there's this deep authenticity. Now, sex, there's a lot of components to sex. So when we talk about sex, you have like, um, you know, foreplay, okay. eroticism, uh, sensuality. Um, I mean, there are all these different components. However, whenever you're having impersonal sex, the, that personal connection, that deep, authentic personal connection is typically not there. Does right. that make sense? Right, mm-hmm. right. So it's like, you, you know, you have a spirituality with that person, so Correct. that's what makes it deep. Correct. And then the friendship makes it deep so even though it's like sex with someone else another right. person mm-hmm. it's almost still like self gratification like you said yeah. almost like sex with self right you're just right. using that other person you, as a you, tool you, yeah, you, to reach that sex with self exactly oh. the, the person is typically a little more objectified and i'm just using them as a vessel to kind of get off selfish yeah oh, oh yeah. So, yes yeah okay. very yeah. selfish yeah okay. mm-hmm. that's so, the way the breeze <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah all right so over your nine years, what are some of the, uh, you know, generically speaking, of course, within the realm of confidentially and whatever, broadly mm-hmm. speaking, what is some of the weirdest things you've seen or, or heard um, within the sex therapy realm? Well, um, as a counselor, what happens is, is that because I get exposed to so many things that right. some things become a little bit more, uh, that, that may be weird to other people, but they're kind of common to me. And because I've become desensitized to it, uh, exposure um, exactly. So, uh, so I mean, I've had everything from clients, both male and female, try to proposition me. Uh, I've had um, 
I mean, I've that's had, bad business. Well, I've, how I've, did I've you respond to these? Well, <laughs> well, ethically, ethically, I don't want to lose my license, okay. you know, and, uh, and I don't think my wife would care too kindly for that either. But uh, but uh, so I've had uh, besides that, I've had uh, people come in with uh, difficulty with their uh, and when we talk about sexuality, so it's a scale as well. So figuring out whether they are uh, homophobic. I've had people who are trying to figure out whether they are heterosexual or homosexual or something in between, like they're like going through the sexual identity process. I've had clients come in with kinks and fetishes and mm-hmm. different things like that. So when we talk about the kink world, um, that's a whole different like population Absolutely. in and of itself. You know, going down to dungeons and you know doing you know being a sadist or being you know uh, you know a masochist and different things like that. Um, one of the weirdest, I would say, one of the weirdest, and this was not actually a client, but. Um, I was actually on uh, going through my graduate program in college, and I was a supervisor over a dormitory. And I would have residents come up to me uh, about this one resident who was uh, asking them to look at their feet. He would say, "Hey, I'm a biology major, and I, you know, I'm studying to be a, podi- a podiatrist, and I'm doing drawings of the feet, and I need to understand how the foot actually works." And so uh, this one guy, he came into my office. He said, "Yeah." So the guy asked me to draw a picture of my feet. So I came in, I took my shoe off, and the guy would ask me to wiggle my toes. Oh. <laughs> and so, and as I was wiggling my toes, I got on my phone. And I started playing around, and, and the guy was sitting across from me, you know, looking at my feet, uh-huh. and I was wiggling my toes, but then my foot got tired, and I looked up, and the guy was actually he positioned sideways, touching oh. himself. <gasps> and so, um, so yeah, that was probably one of the weird stories. <laughs> that guy, I mean, That's a little awkward. Yeah, he had a, what, the guy had a foot fetish, you okay. know, and so... Just you know, wiggle that little toe out. Yeah, yeah, just, I just <laughs> wiggle, wiggle. Man, if, you see, if I see your pinky toe, it just doesn't move, you know. So I don't know, but uh, but yeah. So the people can develop different types of fetishes depending on you know what they expose themselves to, and yeah. So. Within my own grad school research that I've completed, I did a few papers within the, the sex and, and fetish world, and I also know that, or, or correct me if I'm wrong, you're the you're the license here, and I'm not yet. But you also got to do what's normal to them. So when you're talking about someone who has a fetish and stuff like mm-hmm. that, their normal is not the same as someone else's normal who lost right. their virginity to each other when they right. got married and right. stuff like that. Right. Possibly. Right. 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 And so you, I know you also you have to kind of acknowledge that and, and not let them know that they're not um, unnormal, right, or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Acknowledge yeah. that. I guess almost acknowledge that it's okay. Affirmation. So, so with every client that comes in, you know, unconditional positive regard is probably or empathy, right. um, as uh, as Rogers, you know, Carl Rogers would say, mm-hmm. is probably one of the most powerful tools that you can ever give a client. And so, helping them uh, understand that uh, they're accepted fully for who they are is probably one of the most powerful counseling tools there is out there. Um, so now, within the realm of like different fetishes, what because pornography really is the game changer um, when because. Mm. You know, I call it three A's. That pornography is easily, you know, it's affordable. Right. There's anonymity. Um, and I forgot the third. Accessible. 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 Exactly. For instance, like uh, I've had clients that come in. Let's say if they have uh, a porn addiction, um, they may go, uh, you know, uh, go in the bathroom. You know, with their cell phone, huh. you know, and rub one out right before they come to counseling. Literally, Are you know, you serious? yeah, because it gives them that sense of ease. Because, because oh, again, wow. it's the three A's right there. Because yeah. you don't, you know, all you have to do is be in the bathroom stall with your cell phone, and um, and then you can have a moment. <laughs> so, um, so when I say pornography is the game changer, you have people who are younger and younger being exposed to it, mm. and so kids, this day and exactly. Age. So you have kids as young as five and six years old who are looking at pornography, and it's changing the psychosexual development of those children because, again. Like I said, whenever you're looking at that, you're actually etching something in your mind. You're burning. You're burning a neural synapse in your mind. Oh, wow. In in addictions world, we call we say if it fires, it wires. And so, 
Huh. Whatever you're looking at, whenever you get that stimulation, again, those kids are now changing the like their psychosexual development. And um, you know, my wife and I did a sex talk to um, to some uh, middle school kids, right. and we mentioned that, oh yeah, was, you know, this person was pregnant when we were this age, but they look like, oh yeah, that's pretty normal, that's pretty common. And so uh, I'm seeing all kind of different types of sexual like dysfunctions and difficulties. You see men who are in their 30s now, they're taking Viagra. Right. Um, you see uh, girls who are getting abortions. That's a normal? Yeah, men, yeah, in yeah. Yeah. men oh. who are now younger, they're using sexual enhancement products uh, more often. Um, and it's not just for the guys who are 50 and 60 and, you know, and 70 years old using Viagra. But um, is it because they need it or is it for an extra for performance, confidence probably. and performance? It's, for, right. it's a full combination of things, you know, right. because guys, you know, guys, men tend to define themselves by three different things. I know we're getting a little bit off topic, but men tend to define themselves by one, uh, is athleticism. Right. The second thing is their economic, uh, I guess, uh, advancement in the world. And the third thing is typically their sexual conquest. Um, but that's how society typically um, tells men to, you know, uh, you know, gather what they gather their identity from. And so the sexual conquest piece, if they don't feel like they're dominant in the bedroom or if they're looking at pornography and they're supposed to, you know, some, you know, you're looking at actors a lot of times, you know, yeah. um, whenever you're looking at pornography and they say, well, I need to replicate this because this is what a woman's supposed to sound like. This is what my, <laughs> this is the size my penis is supposed to be. This is so on and so forth. So they're using these things, but all of this is in an effort to kind of you know, uh, assure themselves, you know, uh, work on their self-esteem, their self-confidence, and, you know, try to figure out what their identity is. So. Okay. Adverse effect, too. You watch yeah. a lot of porn, you're going to get the wrong idea what it, what, you're, right. what you're supposed to be like as a man. And exactly. that's not the, exactly. the normalities of things. Exactly. exactly. And then women, they tend to follow what men do. And right. so if a man wants this, then you'll find that women are actually starting to look at more porn now because they say they're looking at porn because they mm. say, this is what men want, so this is what I need oh. to do. Or they're going to strip clubs. Yeah, 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 yeah. they're going to strip clubs and seeing what the girls are doing on the pole so they can, you know, mm -hmm. emulate that position or emulate that movement. fantasy or right. movement yeah. that a man is lusting, you know, they're looking. They're trying looking to catch. At. They yeah. try, hey, it's your, hey, hey, <laughs> so, climb up, slide down, yeah, this yeah, it. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah, so, I think that's good effort. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta maximize the effort. climb up, though, you know what I mean? It's like, ah, oh, man, I need to lose 10 pounds so I climb this pole. <laughs> But okay, all right. So, so with that being said, with the women, um, uh -huh. I was reading. I think I was we were we were reading we were reading this. Uh, I think I was, it's called Life dot org, uh -huh. and it was saying that sixty eight percent of women under twenty five encounter problems reaching orgasms. The question I want to know why. Okay. Okay. Is well, that? Okay. Well, I can't necessarily uh, vouch for that statistic. I would need to go back and look at it. But okay. um, you know, different. There are different types of orgasms. You know, yes. you have a clitoral orgasm, then you have orgasm with your partner, where there's vaginal penetration. Okay. And so, um, you know, so what statistic are they quoting um, when they talk about orgasm? Because you have some women who, um, let's say, they're using a vibrator. Okay. Um, and I kind of like it. Well, uh, I'll talk about that perhaps a little bit later. But okay. um, if you're using a vibrator and you're having a clitoral orgasm, mm -hmm. and then but the, then you say I can't have an orgasm with my partner. Well, those are two different types of orgasms. But mm -hmm. the thing about women is that, and a lot of men really don't understand this, is that for a woman, their biggest sexual organ is their mind. And yeah. so, and because mm. if, if you can't stimulate their mind, then you're going to have much more difficulty, you know, stimulating the body. Yeah. I always say, you know, um, I can't, it was in Vogue that had some kind of song or something, but I say, stimulate the mind, the rest will follow. <laughs> there you go, you That's got my it. quote. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you yeah. got it, man. That's, that's your quote. You got it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are you married, David? <laughs> no, I'm no. not. Man. Okay, all right. Mm -mm. You're on your way, though, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully so. I, I've met some interesting people lately. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so now we're going to go on the true and false, okay. um, Vaughn. And if you 
you answer it false, we want to know why. And if you answer it true, then we know why. But okay. kind of let us know, you know, why is it false or why is it true? Okay. So. Is it true that if you don't touch your clitoris at all as a woman, okay. your body will absorb your clitoris and you will lose your clitoris forever? Well, uh, <laughs> kind of goes away. Okay, well. Uh, I'm not a medical professional. Use it or lose it. Okay, use it or lose it. So, so uh, I, I don't want to, again, because I'm not a medical professional, I, I don't necessarily feel Understood. qualified to speak on that. But I, but from my personal opinion, no, that is not the case. That is not the I case. No, that is not the case. So that's that would a be myth, false. probably. Yeah. That's yeah, a that myth. Would, okay. That would be a myth. So. True or false? Is it true for a woman if you don't have sex for a long time, you will grow your hymen back? Um, again, I'm not a medical professional. <laughs> So, uh, I'm trying but, to get him to like, but to my knowledge, yeah, you're pigeonholing me here. I got, I got either yes or no, over here. and so, but uh, the answer to that would probably most likely almost definitely be no. So, um, because the thing about it is that the hymen, because women sometimes even lose their hymen before they even have sex, absolutely. Um, and there are different even types of hymen, you know, yes. some that are round and they have like medical terms for this, some that are perforated, mm -hmm. you know, like small holes in it, and then some that cover the whole vaginal uh, uh, opening. Um, like a shield. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I, I'm not getting through. Yeah. You know, where's my knife at? So I'm going to cut this. I'm joking. Don't do that. Don't do that. So, uh, and so, but in fact, there are, why would there be medical procedures now where people try to re-virginize themselves? You know, by, I'm going to, you know, have a medical procedure so I can put my hymen back in place. There, you know, there, I think there was one case that I can think of out, I think it was a Taiwanese woman that actually grew her hymen back. But, I mean, out of millions and billions of women, you know, that's just very, it's highly unlikely. So, but, but again, you know, some women lose it because they play sports or let's say if you ride horses all the time right. or different things like that, you can actually lose your hymen uh, before you even have sex. We got a few minutes. I, I want to just throw a sidebar on that. When okay. I, I, had, I taught eighth grade sex education here in okay. Texas just a couple of years ago. And, um, you um, told me about that. Right. And so one of the things is I was going through that program. We talked about the hymen a lot and everything. And, right. um, uh, Back in the day, kings and queens in Europe right. and in the Middle East, Arabic world and that stuff like that, if they got a wife that was going to be their queen who did not uh, pop her virginity, she right. was killed. Right. So wow. if the king had sex with her right. and her hamlet wasn't lost, her cherry wasn't popped or whatever, right. she was killed. This right. was common practice. I mean, hundreds, if not thousands of women were killed. Right. And it doesn't mean that she didn't have it. It's just, you right. know, they didn't medically have this knowledge. Yet, right. You You're know, right. You're right. That, or... He just wasn't able to. Right. Well, whenever you talk about uh, back in the day, because monogamy in and of itself was not created. Um, well, I'll say it like this. When we talk about uh, sex in the Middle Ages, mm -hmm. sex was used, and even, you know, bearing children, sex was used to, uh, and, and bearing children was used to, like, uh, for to better society, right? You know, because I have to have this many kids in order to work on the farm. You right. know, we're talking about finances, you life know, sustainment, life right. sustainment. Yes. So there's a there's a there's a big utility function, an economic utility function to sex. Mm -hmm. And so if you have popped your cherry, then how can I be sure that the kids that I father are going to be mine? Mm -hmm. And how can I be be assured that this bloodline is accurate? And so I can understand that from the Middle Ages, but again, they didn't have the knowledge that we have right. now that you can actually lose it. So if you're a woman, I guess you don't need to move around. <laughs> just that was an whenever, interesting yeah, whenever, side yeah. point. I learned that yeah. doing, you know, in, in right. Texas. Right. Like the same yeah. thing that you're talking mm -hmm. about, what you learned in your class, we learned it in my um, 
my class last semester how in Ethiopia they sewed the woman's hymen up. Wow. And when they married her, then they used a dirty knife and cut her hymen open. Wow, okay. Yeah, I know that All hurts. Right. So, yeah. yeah, so in certain... I just don't need a visual on that. Yeah, I'm not yeah. a woman on but, that. Okay. Yeah, but we learned that in class, and I, I didn't even know that existed, but yeah. it, it still exists today. They, yeah. you know, they're trying to stop that in Ethiopia. Right, right. But, um... <laughs> Hey, rights, I, I, I said that these guys' faces are like, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I can't. Yeah, man. I'm, like I said, I'm glad I'm a guy on that. One. Yeah, yeah. Ouch. So, um, is it true that a woman can break her clitoris by using her vibrator? Um, I would. I don't know. Or using it too much. I, I know the word "break" depends on what the definition of okay. break, break is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, hmm. That is an interesting question. Uh, when you say break. Uh, well, can we substitute can damage? We, so okay, we substitute damage. Are you, are you, you guys are from Texas. Yes. So, yes. Okay. You ever been in the Basically. country and you see one of those big oil pumps kind of going up and down? Oh, yeah, Derek. Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. All right. Now imagine that's your partner okay. who's going up and down on you. Okay. Now picture a a jackhammer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, on your clitoris, which would be a vibrator. Being a jackhammer right, exactly. is never a good compliment exactly. for sex. And so, <laughs> and so, you, so you have the Lord, Derek, that's going up and down slowly, which may be your partner, you know, going in and out. But mm. then if you put a jackhammer on it, what happens is, is that, you know, Ooh, the, the nerves, the nerves, what you can do is desensitize the nerves. On okay. It. And so when we're talking about breaking the clitoris, um, eventually, usually the blood comes back and, you know, and it stops being numb. But what you can do is that, you know, you use a vibrator so much that you desensitize the nerve endings on your clitoris. Um, Some of that, I would think, possibly can be permanent. But again, I'm not a medical professional. You would need to seek some help on that. But if you get used to that type of jackhammer stimulation, you know what I mean? Then then it's like, how am I going to be pleased by my partner who is this oil there? I get get, get two things out of what you just said. You're too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. Right. Right? Right. That's with anything. And two, since we mentioned that we are here in Texas and everything's bigger and better in Texas, (laughs) be sure that you're not running a vibrator or six toys that's running on diesel fuel. (laughs) Diesel fuel. (laughs) That's just going to be a little too well, man. <laughs> no vibrators on diesel fuel. Man, you know, smoke coming from the bedroom. It was like, man, that doesn't, man, to man, me, that like doesn't a, sound like a bad idea. I'm, I'm just saying. Too much of a bad thing. You know, I'm not saying what happened. If I hear something that sounds like a chainsaw, I am out the door. I'm gone. I'm not the one to do it. Chainsaw noises to me. We need yours. Yeah. All right. Is it? You guys are hilarious. Is it true that if men masturbate too often, meaning like three to four times a day, they can eventually blow out a vessel in their penis? So I know that you're not a like um, a doctor in that way, but. Uh, well, to my knowledge, no. To your knowledge. To my knowledge, I, I think that would be a false statement. But, you know, I mean, men masturbate differently, to be honest with you. Hmm. Um, some guys uh, like it raw, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, some guys use lubrication. Um, ODB. Yeah. That, that's that's right. Right. Oh, baby, I like it raw. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got it. <laughs> so like you had 16 kids. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Um, but, you know, if uh, you can, I mean... If you're if you're if you're not using lubrication and you are uh, let's say you rub I mean I guess you have four different orgasms what you can do is make the I'm guessing you could uh, you know uh, you know inflame it you know and there can be sensitivity with the skin and different things like that but in terms of actually like busting a blood vessel like if you do like the medical research on how that penis actually works and how it actually inflates so it's to speak, a complicated piece right. of, it's a complicated tool it is it huh. is it is in turn because it's a different type of muscle tissue okay. you know and whenever it 
it becomes engorged with blood. Right. Um, you know, because uh, guys are using different things. Like some guys use uh, pumps. Right. Um, to uh, make their penis bigger and different things. Now, if you're using a pump where it's like the suction of it. Do those uh, things really work? Um, from what I understand, extended use of a pump can enlarge a man. And so, and then some guys who have ED. Pump, pump, is, pump, pump, it up, pump it up. <laughs> <laughs> you thought the Reebok shoes did you some good so, back in the day. So, but again, I'm not, I, I, I don't know because it's right. kind of like a muscle. And then okay. as you continue to use it, you can, pump, you know, pump, enlarge pump it. it but again, there is, and I think that's over an extended period of time. Like you might gain an inch or two over two hey, years or something, hey, you know. Hey. But That's a difference maker. You know, so, well, it depends on who your partner is, you yeah. know. And uh, if you've been with a woman that has been with a lot of guys, you know, you may be in competition. But if you're with a woman who's, if you know, for instance, my wife was a virgin um, oh, wow. when, we, when we married. And so, you know, so that was, you know, like penis size was never an issue where she's comparing different things. Right. Um, Lucky you, man. Yeah, Congratulations. You know, so, um, so. So, uh, I mean, masturbation, uh, you know, multiple times, from what I understand, I mean, you, you can make it a little raw, but I don't think you're going to bust a blood vessel. But if you're using, like, a, a pump and, you, and you know, and it's, there's suction on it and you're leaving it on for 30 minutes or an hour or something like that, yeah, you can injure yourself. So. so, is it true that you can have too much sex? Um, kind of touching on that with masturbation a little okay. bit somewhat on both well, sides, but actual hmm. sex. Well, too much sex, I, I guess, is relative. We said it a little bit earlier that too much of anything could possibly be bad. And, like, if someone has an actual sex addiction, when we talk about addiction, there are, uh, there are different stages of addiction. So the first stage is, okay, this feels good. The second stage, I'm just kind of dumbing this down. The the, the second stage is, okay, I'm, I'm starting to really enjoy this. The third stage is I'm planning my day around this activity. Um, for instance, if, if, I'm a, if I'm an alcoholic, then... Oh, I can't wait till 5 p.m. so I can get that drink, you know. Now, in the fourth stage of addiction, that becomes your new normal. So someone who is an addict, let's say someone has alcohol, um, is, a, is an alcoholic, when they wake up, they're trying to get back to their normal, which means that I need to have a drink. They have what's right. called an eye-opener. You know, throughout, throughout the day, they're going to be having a drink because I need to be in this state of what they believe is being normal. And so when we talk about a sex addiction, it's a, you know, although there's a dopamine component, it would be, or even porn addiction, that would be more of a process addiction that, you know, too much of anything can be bad because if that's starting to disrupt your daily life, like I'm going to go have sex instead of going to pay my bills. I'm going to go have sex instead of going to work. I'm going to go have sex and, you know, I'm going to go to the strip club. I'm right. going to go call, do this call girl or I, um, or I'm going to, you know, visit this uh, certain, you know, store so I can, you know, pick up some pornography or a magazine, right. you know, um, like too much of anything can be bad and it can be extremely disruptive um, to the normal flow of life. So basically you're saying if you're having sex to live life, that might be okay. That, that, but if you're, but if you're living life to have sex, that's not that's okay. Not okay. Right. That's not right. okay at right. all. Correct. So if Correct. you have a healthy relationship, mm -hmm. if you, if you're in a not whatever to you too, that's a healthy emotional physical relationship. Gotcha. And you're having a lot of sex. Right. right. It's so, not, probably not no harm in that. Well, I would say. Well, I'll, here's here's the between issue. the two people. Between the two people, there needs to be and not not an agreement, but they need to have an understanding. If one person has a high sex drive and the other person doesn't, right. then they're going to need to talk about that. And you know, because in the beginning, the, exactly, because there could be uh, a lot of difficulty that comes from that. If one person is used to you know, a lot of conflict that results because one person uh, wants it so much and the other person does not. Kind of like Holly Berry and uh, Eric Benet. Well, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, that is a that is a that is a good example. Yeah, why, you know, so Eric, he was 
the one that was on more sex. Than yeah, and she probably if was I like, had Holly Berry, I would too. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, 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 I'm just, just saying. Yeah. And, yeah. and she uh, might not have a you know high sex drive. We what, don't know. Well, here's the, well, here's the thing too, though. You know, is that whenever uh, a woman can have sex and not be aroused, whereas a man, you know, is very apparent if a man is not aroused. Right. You know, it's like oh, cause mm. it's not getting up, and yeah. so. But yeah. you know, for a woman though, they can go have sex, and all you need is a lubricant, and so. You know, she's so, just there. Yeah, and she's just there. You know, Same. being yeah, being a vessel for True. that for that yeah. guy. And so, um, again, um, you know, couples need to discuss sex because whenever I do couple therapy, because uh, couples uh, therapy and relationship therapy is one of my uh, areas of expertise, is that um, so. With that said, they they need to really have a lot of understanding, right. and they need to talk about sex extensively. Sometimes they don't know the, what questions to ask about sex. But um, I'm a Gottman. Well, I'm not a Gottman certified ther- therapist, but I'm um, certified in level three of Gottman method couple therapy. Oh. And so one of those things that we talk about is what we call love maps, having a deep inner awareness of your partner. And but your partner has what we call a sexual love map. Mm-hmm. And so there are all these questions that you can ask about, for instance, about foreplay. Right. About orgasm, about right. anal sex, about uh, oral sex, about or uh, I mean, uh, even about your partner's body. For instance, if I were to ask my my partner an open-ended question, how do you feel about your body? Hmm. Is there a part of your body that um, that you're embarrassed about? Um, is it important for you to have an orgasm every time we have sex? Um, is it important that I finish to you? You know, because yeah. for you, you know, like there are all these questions that you mm-hmm. need to ask your partner. Um, so you can understand their sexual love map because, you know, some partners, like I, I had a couple come into my office one time and they were into a, what's called a female led relationship. Okay. Okay. And so in the kink world, uh, what happens is that the man becomes submissive. You know, he may okay. wear like mm. a chastity belt or something like that where you can't have sex until the woman releases you or something like that, you know, but his wife was not into that at all uh, because uh, she, she felt that, you know, if you're, I, I want a man. Yeah, and, she and didn't want a man that wanted to be owned, right? You know, but you know, but in the kink world, they see it as an honor as a, because yeah. this guy's this guy is man enough to become submissive to you right. to where you can you know have it your way, so to speak. But you know, to her, if she was not raised like that. She didn't have any type of sexual fetish fetish for the kink world at all. I do right. not want to strap you know. I do not want to you know lock my husband up in a chastity belt right. or you know strap him down and have my way with him. You know, I want a man who's a little more assertive right. or aggressive. Agre- with sex. Yes, right. and uh, eventually that led to them getting divorced. divorced. Yeah, right. you know. So. But you know, a lot of men is that you have to become selfless, and I'm not saying all men are selfish. But you have to be selfless. This is your opinion, I guess. That's my, I'm, this okay. is my opinion. All right, all right. <laughs> I'm just, I'm really, Vaughn? Yeah. That's your opinion. Because if you want... Selfless. Selfless. You're talking about personal sex like, versus pers- impersonal sex. Most definitely. I know, right. I, you know, I'm, I'm speaking for me. I don't want impersonal sex all the time. I want right. some personal sex. I right. want you to mentally right. before you get to this physically. And right. then it's, it's a connection. Uh-huh. So with that being said, so many people... I'm not, I can't speak for everybody, but... Being selfless is like a task. It's like it's hard because it seems like the man wants to have an orgasm first. He wants to get his first and then come back to you. Secondly. Well, uh, you know, my personal opinion, I think this goes deeper than just sex because we live in a society that, I mean, even the millennial generation is being called, you know, very self-centered and narcissistic. Everything you see is a selfie or a Snapchat image of themselves. And so, um, you know, we live in a society where self is promoted. You know, like uh, like I'm all about promoting myself, and so whenever you look at whenever that comes into the realm of sex, is it sometimes becomes all about me as well, and so, um, you know, learning how to open up and share 
um, takes uh, a great deal of vulnerability right. and it also takes a risk. Um, so, because if I'm going to put myself out there, then I need to be accepted for who I am. Affir- um, affirmation. Affirmation. You got right. it. And so uh, I need to be affirmed. I need to be validated. Right. Um, and w- uh, because when I don't receive that and I get rejected, that can be, tra- I mean, it can be literally trauma to your identity, trauma to yourself, trauma to your ego. Your ego is who I think I am. Right. And so, um, because uh, if you're putting your identity in this, uh, in let's say, let's say your identity is wrapped up in sex. Okay. Well, if you don't have good sex, then who you think you are just just now was just shattered. Right. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And it so, and so um, I mean, it's, I think it's a layered issue when we talk about learning how to be selfless because it takes someone who is uh, mature. It takes someone who uh, is willing to take a risk. It takes someone who is willing to be vulnerable. It takes someone who uh, has the esteem to let it not be about themselves. Right. Uh, it takes a certain degree of humility. Right. Um, and it, I mean, uh, in learning how to share. But again, uh, really strong relationships, they begin with friendship. And so whenever you have that friendship um, and a strong friendship, then uh, a lot of times that can turn into good sex as well. So So I have, so we have a couple letters from our listeners, okay? Or two short ones. So this first letter, this is good, Vaughn. Okay. Okay. All right, all right. So So the letter says, Dear The Help Show, I have a friend that I'm extremely worried about. We live together and she is constantly bringing different men in and out of our apartment. And we're and having sex with them. Look, I'm not judging because we are all adults. But when I'm seeing four to six different men a week, I think she has a problem. The question I have been pondering for four months now is she a sex addict? And second, what can I do to slow up all the traffic in and out of our apartment? I feel like our home is a brothel. Okay. Sincerely, all right. brothel house. Brothel house. <laughs> brothel house. Wow. Now, so if I understand you, these are different men that are coming home. Yes, she says different time. men. So these are not the same men. Okay. She said these are different men that are, this is, you know, coming in and out their apartment. Okay. All right. Well, again, I'm not one to judge that, that you know, the person who is bringing home these different guys. Um, I would hope that she's honestly being safe because uh, a lot of people aren't even educated on STDs. And, you right. know, I have I had a young, you know, a teenager come in. He said, well, I didn't know you can get herpes through oral sex or like I, and I was like yeah if she has an open lesion on her on her on her, on her mouth right. you know then you can actually get genital herpes right and I, again some people aren't educated so hopefully she's being safe whenever she's doing that but um is she a sex addict um I don't know um I don't know if she's uh like I said with those stages of addiction I don't know if she's planning her day around that um or if she's just meeting these guys randomly and you know offering it to them and then you know she has a certain time where hey this is why i get down and, you know with these guys from 7 p.m to 8 p.m every oh. night um <laughs> okay so uh i would suggest what i would suggest for the person is that if she's really concerned about her roommate you may want to have a talk with her okay. uh, confront her in a loving way uh with a lot of tact and discretion right. you know like uh, hey i'm concerned about you ask a lot of open-ended questions you know what um i noticed that this is going on Help me to understand, um, you know, uh, what can I do? What can I do? Is this, is this pretty typical for you? Like I need to understand because so I can, you know, so I know how to monitor myself, you know, because I don't, I'm trying to understand, is it discomfort with the, is it, is she appalled and disgusted that the girl is doing this? Like from a value standpoint, or is it the fact that you actually have random strangers in your house? You know, because I mean, some of these guys can be small or big, or they can look intimidating. I don't know what kind of guy she's getting, you know, you know, because you have these random guys 
guys coming in your house, you know, it, I mean, I would feel uncomfortable with strangers coming in my house all the time. Me too, as a man, I'd yeah. be uncomfortable. Right, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? So she may want to uh-huh. go ahead and get a license to pack a gun and everything. <laughs> okay. But, but, okay. Um, but again, I'm not quite sure what uh, what, what what is her main concern. It's, it sounds by the tone of the letter that she's more disgusted by her roommate's uh, value system and her ethics or her morality. Uh, you know, like for instance, if, if the, the person who's writing a letter is a Christian, then how could someone live like this? Live like this, You right. know, so... Um, you know, and uh, she may just want to go ahead and move out. Um, that may be the, her best course of action, so she doesn't have to. Because you got options. You're an adult. You can. You don't have to surround yourself with certain people. You know, so she can. Uh, she may choose to, uh, to move out, and that may be her best course of actions. So she doesn't have to manage the brothel. <laughs> but number one, she needs to communicate with her. Or quickly about yeah, it. Yeah, I was I would confront her, but but do it in a way to where she's not she doesn't come across disgusted like oh like why you got all these men up in here or judge, yeah, yeah, exactly you don't yeah. don't come across judgmental because yeah. once you do that and with with within all conversations when you start it out harshly about ninety six percent of the time is going to end harshly Shut down. so so she needs to do what's called a soft startup so ask some questions ask some open ended questions and be very understanding about you know where your roommates at okay I know we're running a little short on time so we got this last one. Um, Dear Help Show, I've been married for five years and I think I'm having orgasm issues with my husband. It seems the only time that I have an orgasm is when we have sex in weird places like in public, restaurants, parks, bathrooms, etc. In the car, in the movies. When we are in the comfort of our own home, it seems like I just can't have an orgasm. We have received many tickets for lewd behavior acts. Please ask your therapist, what can my husband and I do for me to have the same great orgasm that I have outside the house, inside the house? Sincerely, B. Okay, well, a couple of things. Um, at the end of the day, there's, a, there's an external component or there's something that is introduced in that environment that heightens her arousal level to where she's having an orgasm outside the house. Okay. For instance, let's say the call, or let's say she, uh, she has kids. Okay. But because for women, your minds work differently than men. Okay. You know, That's I like, for sure. I, I, I like <laughs> we it. don't have to look yeah. that up. <laughs> right. So I, I liken it to like men, our minds work kind of like dirt country roads. You know, we can focus on one thing at a time. You know, you give a boy a, a basketball and he can stay entertained all day. But for women, your minds never shut off. Hmm. And a woman can ask a man, hey, what are you thinking about? And the guy say, oh, nothing. And we actually mean nothing. And <laughs> the woman is like, how do you not think of anything? You know, and so women that even go on vacations, a lot of times they report having better sex because they're away from the kids, right. they're away from their job, they're right. away from all these responsibilities, and so they can just focus in on the pleasure act itself. Okay. And so for that woman, um, whenever she's going out to these different places, something about it, you know, and some again, you have adrenaline that's going, the risk factor, you know, right? the risk factor, yeah. you know it's, it's maybe heightening the arousal for her, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of that. Uh, is, is it vo- it's not voyeurism, or is no, it? voyeurism well, is look, yeah, yeah voyeurism is looking. You know, like it's kind of like a, a well, where, where you want to be seen, uh, right. possibly be seen. You gotcha. Well, voyeurism is kind of like a pervert who's yeah. going, you know, peeping you in people's window. I mean, the reverse like that. of that, where you uh-huh. want somebody to possibly watch you or well, be seen. Uh-huh. Well, the fact, the fact that, that the fact that you are risking being seen. Um, again, is heightened arousal. Well, I would say it's heightened arousal. It's mm-hmm. your, the adrenaline is pumping, though. Right. And so because of that adrenaline and the other chemicals kind of going on with the norepinephrine, dopamine especially, for right. her, that may be something that is, uh, that, that is arousing. And so, uh, but again, everybody's different. If she's, again, if she's training herself to only have orgasms outside, <laughs> then, she, again, that whole, you know, fires and wires, that whole dog trail analogy that I gave, that may be, that may be what's going on for her. So, 
can she safely immolate it within the home? Uh, if yeah. so, how? That if so, how? Um, that's going to be something for Windows her. open, Windows possibly, okay. with, yeah. that aren't facing the neighbor's, <laughs> you know, children's know. bedroom. I don't know, man. You know, I don't know maybe right? it's a or something. Maybe, I don't, I don't know, know. yeah. So, but, uh, so, but she's going to have to do the work to try to uncover what about that specific environment gives right. her an orgasm. What's that trigger? Right. And then once she uncovers the trigger, then she can introduce the trigger wherever she needs it, you okay. know. Uh, I mean, because I've, I've heard of people having sex, you know, of course, you know, people may be choked. I say, oh, of course, because it's normal to me. But, <laughs> of course uh, she wants uh, to be choked. Choke yeah, me. Because she wants to be choked. Or, I mean, you know that's normal. Here's, you know, here's, a, here's a crazy sex story right here. I haven't told you guys this. So it was, uh, you know, a guy, uh, the question was, what's the most dangerous sex you've ever had? And mm. the guy actually held, he was uh, with the woman. They okay. were doing it from the back, doggy style. Okay. And he held a loaded gun <gasps> up to her head. Oh, no. And that's what got the guy off. <gasps> Literally, oh, you know, he's crazy. So, but you know, but you know, but they were both need willing help. to participate. I don't know if the safety was on or what. Yeah. But you know, people again, this stuff gets really deep. You know, yeah. and you know, people get off. That scared me. People get off to different things. Yeah. You know, a sadist gets off to inflicting pain on somebody. Okay. You know, a masochist. There's a movie called Eight Millimeter, old movie with Nicholas yeah. Cage. Yeah. It's like yeah. that. Yeah, you know, and you know, I get turned on whenever I whenever I use a whip or whenever I cut you or right. whenever I burn you or well, whenever depends on how hard you use the whip. Yeah, yeah. Not pain, everybody, everybody's different. Everybody's crack, crack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you do the crack at night? Is that what you're saying? She's in the the whip. She got, got the motion going. Lasso, right? She's okay. She does the using. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, and a masochist gets off on having pain inflicted upon upon them. So, right. um, you know, uh, once I get cut, I get turned on. Once I get burned, I turn on. Or different types of stimulation, like that's stimulating to them. So, mm. um, yeah, so people have different types of things that turn them on. And a lot of this stuff is progressive, um, especially with addiction. So, um, but for this specific um, person that wrote in, um, I would say figure out the trigger. And then she can kind of go from there. She may want to. Uh, work with a, a licensed sex therapist or a counselor to kind of figure that out too. So, all right, Bon, I want to say thank you so so much. Um, this is was such a great interview. How can people? Um, how can people contact you? Well, um, I work in two different offices. You can contact me at V as V as in Victor. Then my last name Eaglin E A G L I N, and that's at We Fix Brains. That's with an S. Or you can contact me at my other um, office, which is uh, Vaughn, V-O-N, and that's at Preston uh, Place Counseling. So P-R-E-S-T-O-N, Place, and Counseling.com. So either one of those email addresses should work. Or you can look me up on Psychology Today. Just type in Vaughn Eaglin, and I should pop up somewhere. That's how I found him. Um, <laughs> so Psychology Today. Um, some of my specialties. Published. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Some of my specialties include, uh, so I'm an expert in with a couple relationships. Um, I do a lot of uh, work with men and masculinity, um, a lot of cultural identity as well. Um, I also uh, work with anger management ex- extensively, and adolescence is are one of my uh, one of my go-tos as well. So I, I um, thought it was yeah. really cool, too. This office, I had to exit off Lover's Lane. I was like, this is so how cool. <laughs> At least for so, me, I was coming up 75, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I yeah, exited yeah, Lover's Lane. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's your sign right there. Good deal, good deal. Well, we're closing off. And want to say thank you again. I, um, David and I are extremely, extremely grateful that pleasure. you, you know, took thank the time you. to interview with us. He has two places to go, you know, and he decided, you know, to interview with us. So we're very grateful. Thank you so much. And everyone stay tuned. For more information, you can visit us on our website at thehelpshow.com. Thank you for listening and please stay tuned.